My name is Dr. Ruth Mary Allen, and this is my podcast, Brain Health, Unchaining Your Pain. Our world has become a minefield for our children to get the best out of their brain and whole body health, which is why I founded the Wellbeing Warrior Academy to help them navigate this minefield effectively. Right now, if you go to www.wellbeingwarrioracademy.com and use the code PODCAST10, you can get 10% off all programmes. That's www.wellbeingwarrioracademy.com and use the code PODCAST10 at checkout. Now, let's get back to this week's episode of Brain Health Unchaining Your Pain. Hello and welcome to the show Brain Health Unchaining Your Pain. My name is Dr. Ruth Mary Allen and I am super excited to be here with you today on a live exclusive with myself and I'm all by myself so it's something that I've not really done before and the reason I wanted to do this is bring to you the first of the series of What's Up Doc? Uh, part of my podcast so that you can fire in questions on any Uh, concerns that you have with regards to your brain or whole body health and I will seek to answer them as best as I can but in the context of this show the whole purpose of this show is for me to share with you my story of how I have built a better brain and what I've learned on the route so that you can maybe relate to it, understand where you might be going wrong in the context of your brain health or in the context of your activities associated with your brain health and how you can build a better brain for yourself and also for your family. So if you do have any questions around your brain health, please post in the chat to below. If you are a troll and you post obscene messages, I will not answer them and they will get removed. I just ask you to post questions. This is not a show to do any diagnosis. This is an information show only. If you have any concerns around your cognitive health, please speak with a qualified practitioner or of course do please connect with us online at ruthmaryallen.com or via the Wellbeing Warrior Academy and I will uh, refer you to the appropriate specialists and we can do appropriate uh, detailed brain health evaluation or whatever is required to suit your needs. So let's dive into the first question for myself which is what am I passionate about in life right now and I love this question because this is something that people can really struggle to answer because they don't think about passion in the context of what they're doing. And it's a fundamental element of the spiritual well-being, which one, which is one of the four quadrants of well-being that we look at, and the spiritual input into achieving optimal brain health. So I am really passionate about supporting my clients in optimising their unique brain and their whole body health. And that's kind of extended beyond what I started doing, which was brain health, because often people come into my practice with an issue with their cognition, but actually there's a much broader issue in the context of their whole body health. And so what I now do in liaison with specialists is make sure that we address the whole body health issues because the gut is connected to the brain. The brain is the organ that runs your body. And we often forget that 
in the context of traditional medicine um, that the brain is the engine of life and when we can look after our brain we can look after our whole body when we go in through the lens of brain health then it becomes something that will empower us because i find that often we give away our power to the medical profession and we think that we don't have the ability to make changes so i'm passionate there through the well-being warrior academy about helping my clients take back control of their brain health and well-being and know that they can truly be the boss and boss stands for believe overcome succeed and soar um, and we've got the power to take charge and we have got the power to change and often because we've given away our power we don't make the changes because we expect somebody else to do it for us or we expect a medication to do it for us when in fact a lot of the intervention that really achieves the long-term gain uh, that you are looking for and, and that optimal performance that optimal cognitive performance you're seeking can be done by yourself and that's what I love doing is helping people take back their power and I'm passionate about that so next question is what does optimal brain health mean for me personally in the context of my life's journey and this is these two questions I love to ask my podcast guests because everybody has a different answer and there is no right or wrong answer in the context of what optimal brain health means because it's a personal thing for people and it is based on their life's journey and I know for me optimal brain health is is really down to three big buckets is understanding the inputs that make up my brain health as it is today understanding the steps that I need to take in order to optimize it and then knowing what outcomes I'm seeking to achieve in the context of my well-being and I break that down into four quadrants which is your emotional, physical, mental and spiritual well-being so that I can constantly be assessing myself and constantly being be lifting their levels so that I can do better and better knowing the inputs that constitute my brain health, knowing the process that I need to take. And I typically use the five pillars for my clients to take them on that journey. And then knowing the outcomes that I'm seeking in the context of my well-being, which is emotional, physical, mental and spiritual. And the inputs that I assess in the context of a detailed brain health evaluation is using the Amen Clinic methodology, which is looking at your biological, your psychological, your social, and your spiritual circles that make up your current brain health. And it's so important. And often one of those circles is missed. One of the pillars or many of the pillars are missed in the context of the steps that we need to take. Or one of the outcomes that we're seeking in the context of our well-being is missed. So emotional well-being is are we in control of our emotions physical well-being are we doing the things that physically are helping us and not hurting us mental well-being do we have that mental clarity and focus and ability to think and understand our thoughts and listen to the thoughts that are going to serve us rather than hurt us and spiritual well-being is really having that passion and that purpose and knowing how we're connected to ourselves connected to others and also connection to the planet and any higher power and that is all super important that really important piece of connection which we often have been 
deficit on in more recent years because of social media. It has in some instances decreased our ability to connect at a physical level uh, and created a barrier or an excuse to, to stop that social interaction that we were so good at 10, 20, 30 years ago. And we, we've become uh, separated from because of social media. And that is so important. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but historically, when we needed to talk to someone, we'd pick up the phone and telephone them. But now I rarely get a telephone call from people. It's often through text message, particularly, it, uh, you know, families seem to seem to do this, not going to name any names, but it's very rare um, for people sometimes to pick up the telephone. And I think that is so important or get on a Zoom call uh, or in, even better is to connect in person so that you get that social interaction and we can start breaking down the barriers of loneliness that people are experiencing by being more connected. And I know that I had no idea about what optimal brain health is, never even heard of the word, you know, of the phrase brain health or even understood what it actually meant until I went on my roller coaster journey to learning about my brain and understanding how it was working, the inputs that were setting its current state, the steps that I needed to take to improve it, and then what I wanted as an outcome or an output in the context of my, my well-being. So the next question, which I'm going to dive into my life, my life now is based on your life experiences, what causes cause me the greatest pain emotionally, physically, mentally or spiritually? Well, I think there's been several instances in my life that have caused me pain. And we often think about pain in the context of physical pain. But there's lots of different types of pain and you can wrap financial pain into that as well. But the emotional pain is that, you know, real pain affecting your emotions where you feel where you're crying all the time or you are uh, in a world of hurt emotionally because of what you've witnessed or you you just feel sad. You you feel really low. Um, you're experiencing what people may term as negative emotions associated with an event or a series of events that have happened. And that for me, the emotional pain that I experienced was there were two major emotional pain points. It, one was having a miscarriage back in 2016. And that was super, super hard. Uh, and I'm really glad that I've done the work now that I can talk about it, um, uh, you know, live. But I, it certainly took me three years uh, to talk about it. And if you go back to my YouTube channel and look at my first video that I tried to talk about my purpose, I was in a world of emotional pain talking about that because I hadn't really come to terms with the loss of, of, a, of an unborn child. And it was really hard. And wrapped around that emotional pain was in 2016 having set my sights on building a family and I had all these amazing hopes tied into this little child that was growing inside of me and I built my baby list and I've been online to look at everything 
the firm I was working for at the time um, unexpectedly put me on a performance review and I I'd achieved all the performance criteria that I was aware of in the firm in the context of the hard targets that they'd set. Um, but they told me uh, through the performance review and the interview I had my appraiser that I had no emotional intelligence. And this was really shortly after having a miscarriage. So at the time they said that to me, I felt like an emotional failure because of them telling me I had no emotional intelligence. And then wrapped around that, I felt a biological failure, going back to the biological inputs for our brain health. I felt like a biological failure because I hadn't been able to make a child. And those levels of pain just stacked because pain stacks. And it sent me really, really quickly downhill. And during that period of time, because I was put on a performance review by the firm, I put all of my energy into proving myself to the firm and none of the none of my energy into looking after myself and taking care of myself in the context of the trauma and grief that I'd experienced. And for anybody who's been through a miscarriage, whether female or male, it is hugely traumatic. It can be I was only seven weeks uh, into my pregnancy when I experienced it. But there's a huge hormonal shift that happens in those first few weeks of pregnancy. And when you experience a miscarriage, suddenly the tap gets turned off. And so there is a massive crash that you can experience when your hormonal tap gets shut off through the loss, loss of a baby. Coupled with that, you obviously also have uh, although it wasn't obvious to me that this would happen at the time. But when you lose a child, um, it is incredibly painful physically uh, to lose a child. So you have the emotional pain, the loss and the loss of hope, uh, because you can have a lot of hope tied up into that child and future desires and expectations and your purpose uh, to become a parent can get tied into that child. It all gets lost and turned off in that one instant and it can also at the time when this was happening to me because I was so wrapped up in my own pain I couldn't even acknowledge the pain that my husband was going through at the time I just, I, it just didn't even cross my mind at the time that he was also experiencing the pain and the trauma of my miscarriage because he had to take the phone call at work and listen to me down the telephone uh, screaming in in pain about my experience I ended up in hospital um, to get the scan and see you know and understand that you know I I had the baby wasn't growing um, uh, and he had to witness that as well and obviously when the firm told me that I had no emotional intelligence at the time when my emotions were just in a state of great difficulty um putting all of my attention into focusing on the steps that i needed to take to prove myself an emotional level i put no attention into my self-care and i ended up spiraling downhill really really quickly and this was exacerbated by the trauma that I was put through uh, by the firm. And it was traumatic. And the reason it was traumatic 
for, for many steps, and I've not really talked about this, but this is how it went uh, in the firm I was working for. First of all, my uh, immediate partner in the firm, who was supposed to take me through my performance process, pulled out and said he wasn't going to do it. So they reassigned me another partner who I didn't even know, um, who apparently was more experienced, but it didn't really matter. It was the fact that my op unit partner pulled out of the process that was traumatic for me. I then had to go and uh, request from the firm, can you please provide me with evidence where I have demonstrated no emotional intelligence? And they then sent me a list of comments from people that I'd been working with throughout the year stating I'd done this, I'd done that and I'd done this. And so I had to go round, because that's my nature, and challenge these people around why have they written these things about me? Why didn't they have a grown-up conversation with me at the time that the event happened, whatever that event may happen to be? Uh, and I ended up having a conversation with a partner who absolutely went mental with me. I'm sorry for using that word, but he he was really aggressive. Uh, when I had a meeting with him um, and I ended up having an anxiety attack uh, uh, as a consequence of that meeting because at the beginning of the meeting he was really aggressive and obtuse and by the end of the meeting he said oh and is there anything that I can do to support you and I couldn't my brain just couldn't accommodate the Jekyll and Hyde that I'd observed in the meeting and my um, person that was supporting me through the performance process couldn't believe the situation either and I ended up having to go into a room and be supported to calm down and I'd never ever had an anxiety attack before that was the first and thankfully the last one I've ever had and, and it was hugely traumatic but also really embarrassing because you just don't expect somebody is going to treat you that way um, and behave that way especially when they're supposed to be um, a leader of of the organization uh, and then of course because I've been labeled as not enough uh, and put on this performance review it was really really hard for me to reach out for support because I didn't want them to see that I was traumatized and grieving the loss of a child even though I told HR uh, and they'd been made aware of the fact that I had a miscarriage but I didn't want to be labelled as less than, even less than I, I'd already been labelled um, by asking for help in the context of uh, losing a child and the grief that I was experiencing. And I found it really hard because at the time that I was going through my own personal grief, another person in the unit op, op, unit that I was working, operations unit I was working in, was being given all the support that, that the firm could lay on them um, because they'd lost a family member and, and I just felt really like I didn't deserve you know I've just I wasn't in that category for needing that support and that that added to the trauma and then subsequently I know you probably can't believe this all happened but subsequently um, I asked the firm the firm asked me to go and find a job that was a paid role uh, that I could prove myself that I was good enough and that I had the emotional intelligence and I found an internal role within the business that I thought was really up my street it was all about 
demonstrating emotional intelligence and working with the partners and so on. And my op unit partner who uh, redacted from the performance review emailed me and pulled me off the programme, even though I'd been accepted for the role and I was seen, seen as a suitable person because he'd identified another person to do the role instead uh, and sent me an email to to effect that I didn't have enough emotional intelligence to perform the role and that I was to be pulled off. So I put, put all of this energy in to finding a role and then I had to go back around and do it again alongside being 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 told this information. It was just horrible. And then and then it continued. I, I can laugh about it and I was just totally not funny at the time. But it it continued because I needed, as part of being a reservist, I needed to get permission uh, to do an, a, an annual camp. And the same op unit partner uh, refused to authorise my leave, even though the military, even though the business was a recognised supporter of the military. And I ended up having to escalate it to the highest level um, to request for my leave to be approved. It, it was just astonishing. And I finally found an, a new role uh, in life science and healthcare that I was really interested in. And again, my op unit partner uh, was annoyed about it because it wasn't in the uh, industry area that they wanted me to be in. Uh, and it just continued to uh, to the point that by the time it got to December, I was chronically ill. I was having sinus issues. I started having suicidal thoughts because of all of these little uh, layers of trauma. And you might think, oh, in, independently, it, it's okay to deal with. But when you continue to stack and stack and stack and stack, these layers of trauma at some point you, you just blow and it's the same with anything it's the same with emotional pain physical pain mental pain spiritual pain when you look at a whole system of pain that you're experiencing and and there could be lots of little bits of each one lots of bits of emotional pain lots of bits of physical pain when you start to stack them eventually your pain bucket gets full uh, uh, and often that results in either chronic illness or chronic chronic issue, an acute issue, illness-wise. And for me, my sinuses were always the ones that took the hit um, and uh, ended up with on lots of antibiotics due, due to sinus infections over Christmas. And my weight took the hit. Uh, and my brain health took the hit because I spent my time trying to self-soothe uh, or self-medicate, as it were, through eating chocolate cake, through having lots of coffee in the afternoon, through medicating myself in the evening by drinking half a bottle of, of wine a night just to get through the evening, to, to get through the pain, to get through the, the trauma that was going on in the workplace. And it was just horrific. Um, and so that experience in October 2016 uh, onwards until March 2017 was the most difficult period of my life and even it was even difficult with that op unit partner getting authority to take time off and go on holiday for three weeks even though I had absolutely the right to do it um, and they used the excuse oh, you, you, because you're on a performance review <laughs> you can't take holiday and it's like what on earth has that got to do uh, with my my right to take my annual leave it had nothing to do with it and the thing that really saved me, actually, 
uh, which I've mentioned in talks that I've given with the military, was the military. Uh, because I went on, um, a I'm a military ski instructor, and I went away with the military and had a very difficult group uh, to teach. Um, and I was the only instructor at the time, and it was horrific weather conditions. There were whiteouts and everything. The people were much more senior than me. I had to manage uh, complex uh, personalities in that. And I did really well. Like, I had no stress. I had no anxiety. And that was the real defining moment where I, I thought, do you know what? It is not me. It is the environment. It's the toxic environment that I'm in that is causing me to not perform at my best. And that experience and also during that time, I was uh, in November when I hit my deepest low um i reached out for help in the form of high performance coaching through brendan bouchard in the states and got myself an emotional intelligence coach which is diane and she's amazing and if you're listening to this diane i really really appreciate your support and and she worked through the coaching program that i went on and i realized through that coaching program and through all the activities that i was doing that i had that i was not performing optimally and if you take the 10 predictors of workplace well-being I think I scored 27 out of 100 in that and I knew that something had to change and I was making the change but there was no ability that I could change the environment that I was in you know change what was going on and change the behaviors that I was experiencing so my only option was to change the environment and that in turn I handed in my notice and it took 13 days for the op unit partner to respond which was lovely thank you very much uh, and ended up having to get the uh, a, another senior and par partner involved and it wasn't until that time when I'd been able to hand my notice in and a huge burden of weight come off my shoulders that I was able to have the courage to talk about my experience to some people in the firm that I trusted and, and they were horrified uh, as to what had happened. So that was my greatest emotional pain, losing a child uh, and then having that layer of trauma on top and there, nothing prepares you for losing a child. And, and, you know, for anybody that's been on an unexpected performance review or unexpected contract termination that is hugely traumatic in its own right and and uh, Bono's been on uh, on my show talks about her experience and also Marilise de Villiers talks about the bullying that she experienced in the workplace so do make sure you check out those episodes by visiting my show page which is ruthmaryallen.com forward slash show and you can get access to those episodes so next question is what was your pivotal moment in life that made you take action. So I think I've explained it in the context of my workplace experience, but I think the pivotal moment was getting the positive feedback. And I'm somebody that needs that those positive affirmations. That's kind of like my love language. So getting the positive feedback from the military on the work that I was doing for them really affirmed that I was enough and that I could... I was empowered to take back control and 
when I went to uh, High Performance Academy Live in the States and I went with Kelly Rennie, who put me in touch with uh, Brendan Bouchard and the work that he does, and we went together, um, that's when I really made the decision that I'm going to hand my notice in. Um, I am going to train to become a certified high performance coach and I'm going to get my life back and, and switch careers and help people learn how they can boost their energy, boost their brain power and performance. And and through that journey, I met Dr. Daniel Amen because he was at one of the events in the States talking about brain health. And it was like, aha, eureka moment. Now I can combine my PhD experience on medical imaging and spectroscopy with my desire to help people harness their potential. And so the connections were made and now I'm grateful that uh, I'm a certified brain health professional through Amen Clinics and partner with the Amen Clinics uh, and refer client. They refer clients to me and I refer clients to them. So it's super uh, brilliant to be in that space now. Uh, so what, who or what inspired you? So the person that really inspired me in my life has been my dad. And I didn't really understand how inspiring he was until he passed away. And that was uh, one of the uh, biggest traumas in my life, going back to what was the biggest pain, is witnessing my father's death. Um, and it was super hard because he died at home. I won't go into too much detail, but he died at home uh, of a massive heart attack. Uh, and he hit his head when he fell. And my mum called me uh, to say that uh, the ambulance is over um, and the dad's had a had a heart attack. And I was there with my mum when they turned his life support off. And absolutely nothing uh, can prepare you for losing a parent. Um, it's really, really hard. Uh, and because my mum was witness to the incident um, herself, uh, and she was hugely traumatised by the experience. And I was the only uh, sibling that was physically present at the time that he passed. Um, I ended up spending a lot of my energy focusing on supporting my mum through the trauma and grief that she was going through. And none of the time, well, I had no capacity really, uh, to focus on dealing with my own personal grief because my mum became the most important person here because she 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 was struggling to function and we talked mum and I have talked about this and it's really really hard when you're a sibling because often uh, what I found and I'm sure many people who've lost their parents can relate is when you go up to people and you're with your parent that's that's lost their partner and you've lost your your dad or your mum they immediately talk to the partner go i'm so sorry for your loss paula i'm so sorry and it's just like you don't exist and it's like that you have haven't lost a father and they're completely focused on the the wife or the husband uh, or the partner of the person that has passed away and forget about the fact that the children are also experiencing loss. And I think the thing that was hard for me is when you're a child, 
you know your parent your whole life that's that you know if 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 they're your biological parent and they've grown up with you of course it, it's different for depending on your circumstances but that for me was all I'd known my whole life and it was really really hard to to deal with that and to deal with the reactions of, of, of other people I don't, don't really talk about this I'm going to feel myself welling up but it's really hard and you need to give yourself permission to to grieve and to recognize when you're a sibling that that process is just so hard because just because of way society views it and i you know when the queen lost her husband there was an awful lot of attention on how the queen felt and i really felt for prince charles and and the, and, and all of the other siblings because they'd lost their dad and all of the media attention went to how the queen must be feeling but there is a much bigger family piece involved in this including um brothers and sisters who are also going through the grieving process because they've lost their brother or their sister uh, and so when we talk about trauma and grief it's a much bigger topic than perhaps we give ourselves credit for and the way that i dealt with my trauma and grief is i reached out for help and i asked the aiming clinics before my dad passed away what is the best uh what's the next thing i need to learn in order to uh, step into this space of being a certified brain health professional and trainer and their recommendation was well you need to go and learn about havening I had no idea what havening was but when I lost my dad and I was in a messy state I was crying all the time I thought I need to I need to reach out for help and I reached out for help in the form of havening and I had one session one session uh, to work through the grief and the trauma of losing my dad that that very day and within one session I went from a distress rating of seven out of ten to two out of ten and I just couldn't believe it not within a week I could talk about it and not be an emotional blobbering mess and so I immediately certified as a havening practitioner and this was just as we were experiencing lockdown so my dad passed away in 2019 in October 2019 so it's just before lockdown when I got the help was into lockdown we we went I got the help and it was just amazing to see the transformations that I was able to help my clients achieve in one session and it, it depends on the level of, of complexity of your trauma but if if you have a singular event and it's very uh, neatly tied as a sing singular event in your brain there are cases in with the clients that i've worked with we kind of call it 15 minutes to freedom technique is they have been able to let go of the emotional pain the physical pain the mental pain and the spiritual pain because they all get tied into each other uh, and i've put links on my blog that relates to this episode that you can go to to understand the inflows and the outflows that relate to traumatic encoding is that we have cognitive inflows, we have no auto not sorry, cognitive outflows, 
autonomic outflows. We have uh, somatosensory outflows and emotional outflows associated with a trauma. So cognitive is thinking, autonomic is how your heart rate responds and uh, your breathing levels and any physical um, changes associated with your autonomic nervous system. Somatosensory is any tingling sensations or sensations that are encoded in your physical body as a result of that experience. And then obviously emotional encoding. And the great thing about havening and using uh, the trauma recovery coaching approach I do now is that you can really quickly help someone unchain their pain. And that's what I do with my clients. And it all forms part of the coaching process. So my dad was an inspiration uh, and continues to teach me every day. But I, I didn't appreciate uh, that he was such an inspiration until he passed away. And a lot of the lessons that I learned from him, I've had to learn following his death. So that that was really hard. And, and I think going back to sort of the layers of trauma, my, my dad passed away two weeks before his, his book, Peter Pixie Visits the Rescue Centre, was published. And I remember saying to him, because we were coming up to the publication date, Dad, You've got to really look after your health because my dad had COPD. I said, you've got to really look after yourself because I don't want you to uh, kick the bucket before your book comes out. And he died, um, sadly, two weeks before. And we had no idea how much he was suffering and how bad his condition had got until we had the ability to pause and reflect uh, and, and see how bad it had become from all of the filters he had in the house to remove mold and clear the dust and everything uh, to support his breathing and it uh, and it was it was it, it, it was really bad and so it was uh, a wake-up call for me uh, and also for my mum I think uh, on the need to be more cognizant of your health and well-being and actually since then um, I've had a DNA test to understand what my DNA risk factors are associated uh are, are for me and i've got apart from my cognitive health i've got pretty much every risk factor under the sun uh to a certain degree in, in terms of getting cancer and copd and other all sorts of other factors um and so had i not been on this amazing journey because it it has been amazing i would never ever had paid attention to my health and well-being. I would never have thought about what do I need to do to optimise my brain health now and later. I would never have thought about the problems uh, that I was causing in my brain as a result of my lifestyle habits. And so going into how did I learn about my brain in 2016, not only did I get told I had no emotional intelligence, I took an intelligence test to join a certain branch of the military and I failed it. And I never failed a test like that before. And I was really horrified that I'd failed it. I thought, oh no, something going wrong. But I ignored it. And we often do that, don't we? We often ignore the warning signs until it's too late. And they were just stacking and stacking and stacking. And and in the context of me having a miscarriage, I had no clue <laughs> what, 
what I needed to do to create the right environment for me to grow a baby effectively. And I'm really grateful. Um, and I, Alex Patakos and myself talk about it in a, in a podcast interview I did with him, that the miscarriage and the child that I lost gave us, there was a meaning associated with that miscarriage. And it helped me realise that it was a gift really for me to know that I needed to pay more attention to what I needed to do to create the right environment for a baby to flourish and grow. And it's the same for everything, isn't it? We we want to, and the, you know, the workplace experience as well. Ideally, if you're working for the right firm or you're with the right team of people uh, and you've got the right connections, you want to be in an environment where you're able to flourish and grow, whether that's your family environment, whether that's your friends environment, whether that's your workplace environment and community. And I wasn't doing that. I wasn't doing that for the baby. I wasn't I wasn't creating that right environment from a stress level perspective, from the food I was eating, uh, for, for the uh, drinking habits that I had just wasn't doing it and that was a real wake-up call for me when I went on my brain health journey and so what happened as part of me handing my notice in in March 2017 I decided to become the fittest I've ever been and I I didn't I just that was my goal to become the fittest I've ever been and with that I focused on my diet I focused on my nutrition I focused on my exercise and I lost 27 pounds in seven months. And by by November, that was when I hit my 27 pounds lost, which was amazing because I put on so much weight. Uh, and then uh, in April 2018, my husband and I said, let's go and fulfill our dream of ski touring across the French Alps. And, and we did it and we booked the trip and we did the Hoyte route for anyone that's done that. And it turned out it wasn't just myself and my husband that was ski touring across the, the Alps, but there was a passenger on board. Uh, and eight months later, our daughter Lily was born. So everything happens, seems to happen for a reason. I don't get stressed about things that uh, unexpectedly happen because it's kind of life's force that's, that's moving you in a certain direction. And Lily was born by C-section. So it was a hugely, hugely traumatic experience for her uh and um she was suffering with nightmares for many months and it wasn't until my dad passed away she was very ill as well she was constantly having infections uh, she'd been on antibiotics and i knew from the learning that i was doing as i was certifying uh, to become a brain health and reading the books by dr daniel amen change your brain change your life that that wasn't you know, she was high risk for that, but I could do something about it. And so I reached out for a nutri to talk to with a nutritionist and got some great advice, put my daughter on probiotics. And since that, she's not been on any antibiotics since that. And her health has been a lot better. And so I really dialed in on her nutrition because she's more at risk because she doesn't get the same microbiota because she goes through a 
c-section and so she gets some of my skin microbiota but not the vaginal one so i'm really conscious was really conscious about that and then obviously having my dad pass away and becoming a havening practitioner i thought i wonder if me helping my daughter uh, with this new skills I've learned will help her unchain her pain from her birthing experience. And so I practiced tabling on her while she was having her nightmares. Uh, within a couple of days, she no longer had her nightmares anymore and she was able to sleep much better. And in fact, she loved it so much that by 18 months, she was self-havening and learning how to do it herself. And uh, we set up a course to help parents and children learn how to teach themselves uh, self-havening so that they're empowered to reduce their day-to-day -day stress and anxiety and parents can get equipped with the tools to do that so if you are interested in uh, havening teaching your family havening then please go to my website ruthmaryallen.com uh, forward slash havening and you can get the course there or go go to the wellbeing warrior academy and you'll find it there so that was really uh really great and lily had her first international conference at the age of two to demonstrate havening uh to others as a child of only two years old and if a two-year-old can do it if a two-year-old can reduce their stress and anxiety then you can too uh, but you just need to know what the right tools are uh and and not every tool is right for uh one person so you need to go test test and, and adjust uh, so I know that was a really long-winded answer to who inspired you, but it really was my dad. Um, so how did your life shape your brain health? That's a great question. So when I was born, uh, I was born as a norm normal birth, but my mum was really, really ill uh, when I was around three months old. And my dad had to look after me. And I was separated from my mum for a period of time because she was so poorly. And that really, really affected the relationship I had with my mum. And also at the same time, uh, when my mum was back to health, because I had two older siblings, I wasn't able to, my mum just wasn't able to breastfeed me because my siblings tended to get in the way, so she said. And so I ended up being bottle fed. And I was really not tolerant to the SMA that was requested. That was seen as the best thing to give your child at the time. And I was screaming and crying at night uh, at, and in lots of pain. And my mum ended up moving me to evaporated milk. And she said, like, overnight, I completely changed. I was like a new baby. But at the time this was all going on, nobody ever thought that I could be intolerant to uh, milk protein uh, and so throughout my early childhood I ne never had any dietary recommendations or anything uh, I drank milk and I, I had wheat in my diet two, two common protagonists for poor health and I always always had sinus issues I had ear infections I would have constantly have sinus problems I had tonsillitis and it and it just went on throughout my life so uh, by the age of four I was in the hospital with grommets um, I would often be poorly 
in my teen years, I was constantly getting sinus infections when I would go kayaking uh, and get exposed to, to dirty water. And I ended up with acute sinusitis and going into hospital with acute sinus infections. And this continues. I had two sinus washouts, one of which was under general, which general anaesthetic can affect your cognitive health. And so I had no idea until I had that pivot moment uh, in 2016 when uh, I decided to go on a transformational journey after being told of no, no emotional intelligence, that the nutrition I was putting into my body was causing me to be so poorly, was causing me to have these sinus infections, milk in particular, and also wheat gluten. And it wasn't until that I went on and got my brain scanned at the Amen Clinics uh, in the States uh, on the West Coast, uh, Orange County, and I had a QEG and a, and a psychiatric evaluation that I realised when I went on a elimination diet that the two protagonists that were causing me to have such chronic health conditions pretty much every year was gluten and dairy. <laughs> and it's highly likely that having done my DNA test, I'm ne nearly um, celiac in the context of wheat, wheat allergy, um, that this has been happening throughout my life. And so when I eliminated them, uh, since eliminating them, I've not been on a single antibiotic since. Uh, since optimising my nutrition uh, and optimising my supplement intake to make sure that I'm getting the right nutrients into my body, you know, for that since 2016, seven years, is that seven years? Seven years, I've had no antibiotics, um, which is amazing because pretty much every year before 2016, I'll be one or two different courses of antibiotics. And we forget this. We forget that we have the power to change the outcome in the terms of our health status by changing our diet because food is medicine or food is poison, depending on what your body needs. And we have to, I had no idea about this, but we absolutely have to look at our nutrition when we're looking at how can we improve our brain health and our overall well-being. And it's not something that is taught in traditional medicine. They have only a few couple of hours of training of nutrition. And it's rarely talked about uh, in the context of uh, general practitioners who my clients are uh, struggling with and getting, getting the right support. And it's really important. So going on an elimination diet and optimizing my nutrition to suit my needs uh, and understanding that biological input was so important to improving my brain health. The other thing that I discovered on my detailed brain health evaluation was that I had about 20 different aspects of head trauma or brain trauma from trips, slips and falls and major concussion that I experienced throughout my life. And as with everything, as with any trauma activity, 
trauma's like a tree, it takes root. And as you stack the trauma, that tree starts to grow and strengthen and we get more and more branches and more and more leaves that start to grow. And it's the same principle in the context of head trauma. We start to traumatise our brain in little things, but it all, all stacks. And we're seeing this in lots of legal cases now, particularly in the rugby union, the NFL. There's been lots of work done in the States, certainly by the Aiming Clinics. Mark Gord, Dr. Mark Gordon was on my show talking about traumatic brain injury and concussion, how it can affect our hormones and the neurohormonal level. And our kids are going to be impacted too because our kids can experience head trauma as well. Our kids are really vulnerable. Their brains are really vulnerable when they're growing and we don't realise this. And the sports federations don't realise this. And Even the government, excuse me, I've got a runny nose, and even the government is encouraging people to do contact sports like football and rugby and boxing all of which can have real long-term consequences in the context of your cognitive health, um, brain power and performance. And the parents aren't aware of it. So that's one of the reasons why I started the Wellbeing Royal Academy. And I've had to serve clients as young as seven who have had experienced major brain trauma that has gone missed through traditional medical routes because they haven't looked and they haven't asked the right questions to join all of the dots together and look at the whole system that is causing the dysfunction that that person is experiencing and I don't want that to be your child I don't want you or your children to be going through the experience that other children are where they have brain dysfunction and also physical dysfunction as a, as a result of a traumatic brain injury that is affecting the that could affect them for the rest of their lives and a simple intervention that can be done uh, is going to change the outcome for the rest of their life and that's what's so important in the context of brain health is we have the power to change the traje trajectory of our life we're not stuck with the brain that we have at any age we have the power to make it better Okay, just coming up on time now. I can't believe I've interviewed myself for this long. Wow. Um, uh, who or what motivates you each day? Well, that is super easy. That is my daughter, Lily. She is the light of my life. She's four, four years old now. And she inspires me every day. She motivates me to make the world a better place because I don't want her to be growing up in a world where she can't get access to the right care that she needs to show up as a best self, to optimise her unique brain, to learn the tools that are necessary to prepare herself for the, the onslaught that she's going to experience in the uh, artificial intelligence space that she'll be operating in uh, as a teen and an adult and the, and the constant online world that is becoming a real problem for children and, and and that disconnection that they're experiencing and even Professor Mark Brackett you know reading a post where he talked about uh he had gave a lecture with parents recently and they said they don't have enough time uh to spend time with their children it's like well that's an excuse we have become so distracted with social media and online activities including email late at night and I, I you know I'm guilty of this sometimes I had 
I had to into I had to stop putting my daughter to bed because I had a client call in the evening that I was expecting to her to be in bed by, but she wasn't, and it resulted in her having a total meltdown. But she thankfully waited, and I apologised uh, for not being there for her. But we do this to our children. We 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 don't dedicate that quality time. I thought I'd blocked the time enough, but I'm going to now change my calendar to make sure that her time is protected. <laughs> She's asleep when I was expecting her to be asleep so I can go off and do other things. But we're forgetting this importance to create that quality time for our children. And Lily is really good <laughs> at keeping me on track. In fact, she recently told me, Mummy, you can't wear that top to my the party that I'm going to. That's not a party top. That's a work top. You have to change it. <laughs> you know, she's uh, and I was shocked that she asked me to do that. But she she's really good at saying how it is. And I want everybody to be able to express themselves as who they are. That's what I really encourage my daughter. But we can only do that. Uh, if we create the right space, the psychologically safe space for people to express who they truly are, express their feelings, express how they are. And, you know, my daughter Lily uh, is, from my journey on being told I have no emotional intelligence, is super aware of her emotions. It doesn't mean she can control them because she's only four. OK, we have to give her some permission, <laughs> but she's only four. And she asked me. Mummy, please, can you help me manage my emotions? Which is super grown up, recognising that she can't do it herself. And of course I do when we have a lovely hug and Havening. The background behind Havening is we have this superpower inside us, which is the power of human touch that helps us emotionally regulate ourselves. And it helps us emotionally regulate ourselves by generating calming delta waves in our brain through the power of human touch. And those calming delta waves start to downregulate our brain through removing any trauma that we're experiencing. I don't have time to go into it now, but also activating our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our calming system, and deactivating our sympathetic nervous system, which is our fight or flight system. And it's super powerful. And because we're becoming more disconnected, and because we have had that social separation from a physical perspective some people are not getting the emotional uh, emotional regulation that they would have done through the power of human contact and that's so important um what advice would i give to parents or friends who i know is struggling with their brain health so my advice would be ask for help. As Les Brown said, ask for help, not because you are weak. Ask for help so that you remain, may remain strong. And I love Les Brown. I've been on stage with him. It's so important. If you are struggling, don't suffer in silence. Ask for help. Reach out for support to me. DM me. Email me. Go on my website, ruthmaryallen.com forward slash connect connect with me, schedule a, a free 15-minute consultation to find the right programme for you. Don't suffer in silence. The time to heal from trauma in the same way as breaking your leg is as soon after the incident as you can. Don't 
leave it like I did for eight months because it's much takes you it can take you much longer to heal I was fortunate I had the right therapy make sure you ask for help because there are loads of people out there who are there to support you there are people who've been through the same experience that you've been through that can shine a light through that tunnel of darkness that you may be going through and help you find your way out so please if you are struggling or if you know of someone struggling with their brain health with their cognitive health with their memory with their whole body health whether that is a brain health issue a gut issue or anything else please do reach out to me um, I'm here to support you I have links to a multitude of different specialists here in the UK and in the states and also globally who can help you get the best out of your engine of life help you build a better brain and help you really take charge of your well-being and be the boss I hope you have found this session helpful I'm just going to go now to see if there are any comments. If you have any comments uh, from this live cast where I've been talking about my story and how I built a better brain, please reach out to me. I'd love to know what you found inspirational. I'd love to know if anything you could relate to from this uh, live cast. And if you have any questions about anything that I've discussed, please do, as I said, reach out to me. Uh, and I will be happy to support you in whatever way I can. This show is all about brain health, unchaining your pain. You are not stuck with the brain you have. You have the power to make it better. And it's been a super privilege to be on here and share my journey to show you how. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to like and share this episode and leave a review on my website or on Apple Podcasts. If you're looking for opportunities to optimise your brain health or unchain your pain from a past trauma, make sure you visit my website www.ruthmaryallen.com and use the code PODCAST10 at checkout to get 10% off all programs. And always remember, you are not stuck with the brain you have. You have the power to make it better. You have the power to unchain your pain and optimize your brain power and performance so that you can win back energy and time doing what you love.